0: Welcome to the new healthcare economy where everyone wins for a change. Employers, consumers, primary care physicians, outcomes, shareholders, even our communities all win with costs dropping 20 to 60%. This unstoppable direct contracting movement bypasses the big middles with their crooked game boards, devious rule book, rigged dice, and purchased referees. I'm Rob Barshop, and I'm glad you're here. That is the sound of a deputy being released from a hospital in Fort Worth. His name is Jason Jones. And after seven-month legal battle, he was released to use a COVID off-label drug and a few other medications and vitamins as part of an admitting doc's care plan. It was war. Deputy Jones' six kids were allowed only once to see their father in seven months. The hospital sued on the basis of the care plan issued by the admitting physician, today's guest, and blocked deputy's feeding tube with a taped towel so his admitting doc's ivermectin script could not be fulfilled. That doc, like maybe some of you listening, took an oath. Yet the Fort Worth Hospital literally blocked her oath to do no harm. They lost in court, of course. The deputy's equally heroic wife smuggled the meds in like a hipster sneaks in ecstasy into a rave she rubbed the cream on his back when nobody was looking she even had a few colleagues inside the hospital trying to help him out but she rubbed it on as a topical when they were alone and as i said the staff secretly helped this is a movie script the undercover care plan and that amazing wife saved his life and so today did his physician behind that care plan the bigs the hospitals the pharma the insurers and the three-letter agencies will do almost anything like these disgusting tactics to preserve the status quo, summed up in a very simple fact. 4% of us on the planet Earth, we Americans pay 49% of the global healthcare cost. The U.S. carries the global burden long as consumers, taxpayers, and employers remain asleep because we pay for 100% of this gaming. The bigs go to the defense of the gaming saying you're going to lose jobs if we give some of these preservation tactics up. These tech advancements, we're going to lose those too. And it's wearing kind of thin on all of us. No, it's actually killing us. Self-insured employers are awakening to this. And millions of consumers are using DPC, cash pay specialists like today's guest and free market surgery centers. Deputy Jones drama simply clarifies the dark and deadly callousness of the bigs. They do not care about us, despite bright, shiny, smiling, happy ads. And Dr. Mary Tally Bowden, our guest, is at the center of the drama, and she is a heroine to me and to countless others numbering in the millions, judging by almost 9 million views on YouTube. I have a very short list of heroes, and we've been able on this show to bring in Dr. Marty McCarry, Chris Deacon, who saved New Jersey 1.5 billion, and we'll have others in the future. And so that's really kind of a cool gig to be able to bring them to you. They walk into the withering fire because they are in the right and they're unafraid of doing the right thing. They see the big picture on behalf of all of us, consumers of healthcare, taxpayers, employers, docs and nurses on the front lines. They want everyone to win using simple common sense. Well, so lucky us, we get to meet them. Okay, so today's guest is a self-described introvert. She graduated at the top of her medical school class, summa cum laude. She's a hardworking consumer-focused entrepreneur and closet researcher at heart, and she's humble, and she's a mother of four young boys. And importantly, she's 100% reluctant to be in this position she's in today. She too stepped into the withering fire, not by her choice. If you look at our holy wisdom books, the prophets and the central characters like Moses, Muhammad, and Jesus are all reluctant prophets. If you look at the Star Wars, the marvel of the DC narrative universe, they're all chock full of reluctant heroes in our culture because somebody came on them. They didn't want that darkness, that outside force thrust on them, but they had to deal with it. In this case, Monopoly-loving Biggs attacked her good judgment. Her character, her training, they pushed her to ignore an oath that she took or tried to, and they belittled her in social media who joined in the pylon. Hospitals, Big Pharma, and the three-letter agencies told her to ignore thousands of her patients with near-perfect success using ivermectin as an off-label essential of a several-part care plan to treat or protect against COVID. Insurers didn't join in the pylon because she opted out in 2019 when she started breathe MD, a few blocks from River Oaks in Houston, just before the pandemic. She's a cash-only practice, our kind of doc. This show loves. So forget the ivermectin has 3.7 billion doses on humans, it's called a horse drug. A big lie the bigs invented and the leftist media megaphoned. Forget that the World Health Organization model drug list has only 400 meds out of 20,000 approved by the FDA. Well, ivermectin makes that list too. So it's in the 2% elite club of core essential drugs for the planet. Insulin, penicillin family, sulfa drugs are on that list. It's just for ringworms, the big say, another lie. Most Americans believe that lie too, by the way. Yet, off-label drug usage is no biggie. It's super common in medicine. Every doctor knows this listening. It's well-known. Viagra is the best exhibit AI can come up with. It was clinically trialed for angina and blood pressure, but the trial participants wouldn't return the medication. They like those little blue pills. So forget ivermectin's investors won a Nobel Prize. And it was cited at the time as a miracle and wonder drug by the World Health thought leaders. A fake fact checkers call that a lie. Yeah, who checks the checkers? Well, some of us do, but not most people. They believe them. Forget all of that stuff. Dr. Bowden has 3,900 success stories in her EHR, period. Drop the mic. She's not alone. She discovered hundreds of docs like her through the FLCCC, which we're going to learn about, with near identical results to her own using this and similar protocols. Some physicians, some other white coats have lost their jobs for doing this right thing. There's a muzzling going on here by the Biggs. Today's show is about a highly visible war Biggs and their lackeys waged, not just on this brave doctor, but on all of you, on all of your patients and her patients, and on all of us who care about freedom from tyranny. Biggs cannot claim a higher moral ground when profits are so clearly upstaging logic. So inarguably, lives have been lost to a life-threatening policy to support these monopolies. And if you're one of only two vax suppliers to a consumer, that's a classic monopoly or duopoly. Humira is, by example, to give you some context, the number one blockbuster drug. It's a $21 billion blockbuster by IBV. Keytruda is another big one. It's number two at $17 billion. That's a chemo drug. The COVID vaccine is $51 billion. It's more than the other two combined. (laughs) And Pfizer and Moderna have a get out of jail free card by the FDA. There will never be a lawsuit allowed for any kind of serious vax injuries or wrongful deaths. And beautifully for their business model, the bigs will make sure you will get fired for not taking these vaccines in tens of millions of jobs in America. It's just a perfect business model for them. Exhibit A in my claim, that we have excessive COVID deaths are our peer nations. We have peer nations and larger poor nations with two to 5% of our per capita COVID death rates. Two to 5%, how so? Well, they haven't the resources we have, so they had to use inexpensive off-level medications like ivermectin. So had we followed the logic, the best practices of Japan, South Korea, Uttar Pradesh and India and other countries, the deaths here clearly were preventable. Another big lie. Well, wait a minute, Americans are sicker, we're fatter. Yeah, well, for sure. But we leaned on a pricey, sketchy jab, and our peers leaned on core essential medication protocols to prevent and treat the virus that folks like Dr. Bowden discovered. The dirty tricks bag of tools Biggs used were deadly and EBITDA-centric, not outcome-centric. If you have any illusion that the Bigs care about us, consumers, taxpayers, employers, or docs and nurses, this is your wake-up show. Bigs do not. And this tyranny that can happen to you or someone you love tomorrow if we remain asleep, and maybe it already has. Dr. Mary Bowden graduated, as I said, at the top of her medical school class. She did a Stanford residency. She had two eminent mentors that helped her learn her ENT practice early as a young doc. And she's an innovative offering with highly rated consumer experience as an ENT double boarded in sleep medicine. She opted out of the billing and coding and collecting insanity, so she's part of our cash pay healthcare universe. And you can do it if she can, she likes to say. Her practice BreatheMD, is about airway health. It was launched right before COVID started with a goal to simplify and improve the patient experience and to optimize efficiency. She also included multiple therapeutics and diagnostics in her clinic so folks could leave feeling better and with a plan. Uh, She's on the advisory board for the FLCCC. She co-leads the Houston chapter of the Free Market Medical Association with our previous guest, Dr. Kristen Dickerson, and she serves on the advisory board of the Validation Institute. Welcome to the show, Dr. Bowden.
1: Thank you, Ron. Excellent synopsis of the whole situation. And then one thing I think I'll add is that this pandemic has really shed light on how horrible our healthcare system is and the power of direct care because by not having any third party ties, I have, I have had the freedom to treat patients the way I want to treat them. I have not been muzzled by anybody and I can't. I'm not financially controlled by anybody. So that has really led to much better patient outcomes and has allowed me to you know, become vocal and bring all the, the things going on to light. So I think it's a prime opportunity for you know, the free market medical movement to really take off.
0: That is a good point. I have never thought about the freedom that it gives you to speak openly. That is really powerful. Thank you for that. Okay. Well, Mary, you sued the Houston Methodist Hospital and the FDA on a simple question. Can these bigs dictate your care plan? Yes.
1: No, they would love to. And the thing with Methodists is I, you know, I had privileges there as a backup plan. I'm an ENT, I do tonsils, I do tubes, I do outpatient surgeries. I don't admit patients to the hospital unless there's been some sort of problem after the surgery. So I had never stepped foot in Methodist. I mean, I, that was just not part of my world. So for them to come after me, was just a a PR stunt. Um, and I'm, you know, I think they're going to regret it in the end because I am fighting back.
0: Was your high school sport of choice to fight the biggest bully at recess?
1: (laughs) No, I'm shy. I was super shy in high school. Um, I did have, I grew up with two older brothers and they used to laugh that I don't take, you know, S-H-I-T from anybody, but I was quietly um, quiet about that. Um, so no, I, this is, this is not typical for me.
0: So did those two brothers wail on you and that's where you got your resilience I, from? I mean-
1: it must. Yeah. I mean, they weren't too bad. They could have been worse.
0: Yeah. Now that I have
1: four boys, I see how bad it could have been, but I I I, I had a sense of righteous indignation growing up from you know all my perceived abuses.
0: Where did you get your guts from? I mean, this this is this something your dad and mom sat down and said, "If you ever get in trouble with a big bully, here's what you do."
1: No, I don't know. I mean, my dad just said to me, "He's like they stepped on the wrong hornet," but I don't know. It just yeah, (laughs) I just I feel so strongly that I'm doing the right thing and to be it just feels so wrong. And for me not to say anything would be even worse.
0: It's not that the doctors who aren't in cash pay are cowards. They're not, they're good people, but they are muzzled because right. somebody has them right by the throat. They clip right. the wings off the Hornet.
1: Exactly. You can't, I mean, if, if I had, if my livelihood was dependent on Methodist hospital, it might, you know, <laughs> I might've might quietly snuck away. So yeah. it's, it's, I mean, they're, they're in a predicament and, and at least there's this, our whole healthcare system is, is just tainted by these the bigs, as you say, because they're the ones controlling the doctors. And now we've seen that not only are they controlling their, their livelihoods, but they're controlling what they can say and what they can do, which is very scary.
0: I'm not going to compare my pain with your pain, because you're going through way more than I ever dreamed of. But I have had experienced extreme pain by talking about jabs with my family. Mm -hmm. You've lost close friends over this jab controversy, haven't you?
1: Yeah, my my three best friends from growing up. And I I consider those sort of my closest friends. Like I didn't my college friends, were not, I'm not close to like I am my high school friends. Uh, they're not speaking to me. One of them called me a crazy B-I-T-C-H. Um, it's, it's truly bizarre. I mean, it's, but on, that, on the flip side, I have made so many new friends and, you know, I, I do feel like it's, it's brought me closer to people, if anything.
0: I mean, my personal story is very simple. I can't hold my only grandson because I won't get a job. Good Lord. I know. It's just unthinkable, but, you know, two doctors. So I'm not alone. Your take on this booster is pretty clear. Can you explain your take on the vaccine? Because I'm obviously completely with you on this.
1: Yeah. And I was, you know, I started off cautiously optimistic about the vaccine. I looked into getting it for my patients. I wasn't just, you know, knee jerk. I'm not, you know, I had an open mind about the vaccines, but I do a lot of COVID testing and that's sort of how I became... How I got thrust into all this to begin with is, you know, for chronic sinusitis patients, I do a, a PCR test for bacterial infections. And that lab came out with a PCR saliva test. And we were able to get results back in 24 to 48 hours when LabCorp was being slammed and it was taking two weeks. So we were able to provide access to testing when it was hard to come by. And that sort of, be, that's how I sort of got into the whole COVID stuff to begin with. And because I do a lot of testing, I started seeing all these breakthrough cases and I keep track of it. I keep a weekly database of what percent positives. And then I started looking at, okay, well, how many of these people have been vaccinated? And it, it, it looked like there were more people testing positive that were vaccinated than unvaccinated. And then I started seeing all the complications because I have, you know, i I my practices evolved from COVID testing to COVID treatment because all these patients were saying their primary care doctors would not see them, so I became the treatment center for COVID, and now I've become the the next best thing to the hospital because people are terrified to go to the hospital, um, and now I've become the the place where people go to for vaccine injuries because they get ignored or they get you know they get a million dollar workup that's negative and they're told they're crazy, and so then they come to me to try to figure out what else can be done. So now I'm seeing, I I looked at it 15 to 20% of my patients and I'm an ENT. I'm not a primary care doctor. 15 to 20% of my patients are for vaccine injuries. So all my, all, everything I stand for is based on firsthand experience. I don't rely on the New York times. I don't even rely on the so-called peer review literature. It's all firsthand. And so I feel very strongly that I'm not biased because I'm seeing it it's in my face every day.
0: I had dinner with a nurse who was 105 pounds, about five six. She had severe blinding headaches. Her vision had gotten blurry after the back. She had, a, she had to do it. She was a nurse. She had extreme shakes at dinner because that's what brought it up. She was apologizing. And she had about 11 other symptoms. The same day, the Israel Health Ministry Hebrew report came out in English and it had all the same things. And women had up to 50%. Vax injury after this booster and some have had 20 and 30 percent the men were about half the women reported Mm -hmm. but they're interested because their defense force has to be at the ready all the time Mm
1: -hmm. and they can't
0: mess around so Mm -hmm. i mean everything she described they had on their report it was just shocking to me right
1: right i mean and then the fact that they are they just approved these for kid, for young children is just heartbreaking. I mean, it's it's just tragic. I know it, there's going to be some big consequences from this.
0: The orchestrated attack mob who piled on you, who is the orchestra leader, if you had to guess? Who's wearing the maestro's baton in this misinformation campaign?
1: Well, there is a, a group called No License for Disinformation. Have you heard of them? Mm-mm yeah and i I haven't done a deep dive into them, but they're I mean their whole purpose in life is to try to take away the licenses of people like myself that are talking about what they're seeing.
0: Are they having any success at it?
1: Oh well, I have three complaints to the medical board, and you know, but I'm not worried i I mean when you look at what the- me- at least in Texas when you look at what people had their licenses revoked for it's you know sex crimes and
0: drugs and alcohol drugs
1: and yeah i mean if they did take my license away it would be unprecedented and hopefully i won't be the example but um i'm not i'm not too worried it's just a headache and a hassle and yeah you know but it's not it's not it's not stopping me
0: that's good Let's talk about the FDA, Mary. We have taxpayers that cover 53% of their budget and, of course, their salaries, and 47% comes from the big pharma, big devices. Why do you think the agencies like FDA are protecting the bigs? What's going on there?
1: Well, follow the money. I mean, they're all in bed together. They're, you know, the, the, yeah, they all have financial relationships, uh, yes. big financial relationships.
0: Yes. And when you leave the FDA, you can get a good job at a
1: exactly. farm if you play ball. Exactly. They're okay. all intertwined. There's no, um, you know, it should be like separation of church and state, but it's not.
0: Kind of like lobbyists and congressmen and senators.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, messed up. Like,
0: the Houston Methodist is run by a doctor. He's very well respected. The Methodist is on everybody's best list and everybody in Houston respects them. But you get this call from this report out of the blue. <laughs> What did you think of the Methodist the second before you got that column? What did, I, I don't need to ask what you thought afterwards, but were you in the same camp with me? Like, they're a great hospital, awesome? Yeah,
1: I was, I was proud to have those privileges. I thought, mm-hmm. wow, this is, you know, I've got the best hospital in Houston. I've got privileges, the best hospital in Houston. I was actually collaborating with them on COVID research prior to all this. Mm-hmm. I was sharing my data. I was, you know, we were working together on getting some um, papers published, uh, so it was a, a good relationship. They got upset because, you know, I sent an email to my patients. I didn't put it on social media, and I put it, sent it to my patients, and in that email, I said that I had a patient with bladder cancer whose urologist at Houston Methodist had called her and said she needed to find a new Uh, urologist because she wasn't vaccinated and he the writing was on the wall he he was on her side but he said they're gonna they're about to impose restrictions so that if you're not vaccinated you can't be seen so I sent that to my patients and they flipped out and you know I actually sent a a follow-up email saying okay I heard from Methodist they said this is not their policy so it's not even like I doubled down or anything um so I that's what triggered it? And you know, I didn't get a phone call from Methus. I had no forewarning. I got a text message from the Houston Chronicle asking me to confirm that my privileges were suspended. And I, you know, I love that text message. is just says it all because I'm like, "What? <laughs> Who told you that? No news to me." Like, yeah, you know, I'm just in shock. <laughs> like, um, so yeah. After that, it was the gloves are off, and I'm not this is and then they tweeted about me they tweeted the whole thing houston Methodist. i mean how crazy is that
0: well it's child it's like high school behavior yeah yeah let's talk about john scully he of apple fame wrote a book that talked about embracing a noble cause do you identify with that theme of a noble cause because you kind of talked about it at the top of the show
1: well yeah i mean it's to me it's i sort of i practice medicine i treat people the way i would want to be treated because that's I went, I have four boys, I had four boys in five years. And I spent five years at the OBGYN's office. And, you know, that's generally an unpleasant experience because the OB's schedule so bad, you're waiting a lot. And, you know, it's just the whole experience just soured me. And I'm like, I'm not gonna treat patients. And I love my OB's, but it's just the whole system. And, you know, I want a better way for my patients. So that, I don't know if I'd call it a noble cause. It's just, you know, follow the golden rule and, and be, a, you know, in common sense, common sense medicine has gone out the window. You know, everything has to be, you know, based on some protocol and some, you know, and it's not one size fits all, but they want it to be one size fits all.
0: Yeah. Well, they want to sell the vax.
1: Right.
0: Let's talk about the FLCCC. Can you talk about how you discovered them and how they become your sort of your new base of friends?
1: it's, I don't remember how I discovered them actually, Um, but I kind of, I liked their, you know, they weren't extreme. They seemed common sense, grounded, research-based. The leaders, I I highly respect Paul Merrick and, uh, I mean, yeah, Paul Merrick and Pierre Corey. So, you know, I just had an affinity with them from the start and I'm honored that I'm even, mentioned in the same you know that I'm on their website is a big honor for me so yeah and then you know and now my my affiliations have broadened I mean there's a there's a big network of like-minded physicians but we're underground because for obvious reasons but we are a growing network we are banding together and we are determined to to win we're determined to win because. Uh, if we don't, then we're going to have basically a communist healthcare situation.
0: The Pfizer fraud case—Are you paying a little bit of attention to that?
1: I mean, I, bits and pieces.
0: The most recent thing that came out is their defense is the FDA supports them, so they can do whatever they want. That's basically what they said. Yes, we know we have some COVID deaths, we have some COVID injuries, but the FDA is behind us, so good good luck.
1: Yeah. Well. <laughs>
0: Kind of a defense if We
1: could take down the FDA that would be a, that'd be step one but
0: uh. yeah we'll talk about that. When you got to speak live at the FLCCC rally in DC, that had to be a high point in what is a very combative last couple of years you've had. How did you decide what you're going to say and tell our listener kind of the thumbnail of what you did say on those steps.
1: Yeah, that was stressful because I went there expecting to just stand on the stage and I had no idea they were gonna ask me to speak. So I had to come up with something in a few hours I had to come up with something. And there's so much activity going on around you, it's hard to even, you know, get a moment to focus and figure out what you're gonna say. So I basically winged it. And I basically, it actually wasn't that hard because the point of it was not so much education, but just to get everybody fired up. So that was my purpose is just to try to excite people and you know rile people up a little bit. But yeah, that was, I I was watching um, Forrest Gump with my son and there's a picture of Forrest at the Washington Monument and the steps of the um, Lincoln Memorial. And I'm like, wow. I mean, I never, (laughs) I never would have guessed that I would have stood up there and and given any kind of speech, never in my wildest dreams. So, yeah, and you
0: had to follow the greatest speaker up there. That's my judgment.
1: I know, know yeah.
0: It's like following the Gettysburg Address or following the uh, <laughs> I Have a Dream speech. You're the exactly. next guy. Good luck exactly. with your speech. <laughs> <laughs> so, where do you go from here? What's next?
1: Well, uh, we have some projects. I'm trying to get everybody all, so there are so many. Efforts going on. So many nonprofits have have emerged. I'm trying to get everybody to start a, a coalition of some sort, so we're all working together and not duplicating efforts and and have a stronger voice and a stronger presence. So that's that's my big project now. Um, I've got four lawsuits I'm working on. The one against the FDA. I have two against Methodist one of which is a defamation case, and um, one more defamation case against a crazy TikTok pharmacy lady. I I would love to do some FOIA requests at the AMA and the American Board of Internal Medicine. So that's on my radar. And then I've got my practices expanding. I have another uh, direct care ENT joining my practice in August. And I have hopes of hiring a primary care doctor too, because everybody's trying to make me their primary care doctor and um, I'm not really equipped to do that. So.
0: Hmm. Good for you. Do you have enough room in your facility for that?
1: I do. Well, ideally I would, so I've gotten really busy because of this and I would like to slow my hours down a little bit, focus more on my kids and let somebody else you know, take over and so move more to part time. And then maybe I will expand to, oh, and then we're also trying to start a hospital. Mm -hmm. Um, So we're trying to start a, um, you know, a patient focused, no, no third party tie hospital in Houston.
0: There's another effort that was north of Texas that was going to be an employer owned hospital. And of course, employers are completely aligned with your mission and our mission on the show, which is, the cash pay they want right. to do efficiency low infection rate low readmission rate best surgeons right. and so it's basically a free market center but it could be owned by the employers if you think about it so there are purchasers alliances here in texas that you oh, can talk to i think yeah, they would be a natural
1: i i've been trying to i mean that's sort of our big how do we how do we structure this how do we because i really don't want to take insurance um but I would love to get connected with that. Yeah,
0: you got, you, I mean, Houston and Dallas are the capitals of the world for corporate headquarters. I mean, you've got lots of natural allies. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: you're welcome. No, no, you just pay me a steak, okay? You and your husband okay. buy me a steak, all okay. right? Right. Okay, that's our deal. Okay, what's your message for white coats? Normally, we fly a banner overhead and you give a message to the world, but what is your message being in the flame, right in the blue part of the flame for white coats and patients to leave this show with?
1: Wow, that's a hard, well, there's, there's so many, but I mean, I think the key is finding independent minded doctor. If you're a patient, finding an independent minded doctor who has no third party ties and who, you know, the whole let doctors be doctors yep. and the, the third party ties are what's killing our healthcare system. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I think that and high deductibles are like the devil's work. High deductibles are just destroying the economics individually and of our school systems and state employers. Mm -hmm. It's high deductibles are just awful. Well, that's a good message. So basically you're saying DPC.
1: Exactly. Exactly.
0: Love it. And if people want to find you, Mary, what's the best way to reach out?
1: Uh, My website is breathemd.org.
0: Got it. Okay. Well, thank you very much. We'll get you back on again and follow up with all this. This is a very exciting and super proud to know you and don't let your energy flag. This is an important fight.
1: Thank you so much, Ron.
0: Thank you for listening. You want to shake things up? There's two things you can do for us. One, go to primarycarecures.com for show notes and links to our guests. And number two, help us spotlight what's working in primary care by listening on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and subscribing and leave us a review. It helps our megaphone more than you know. Until next episode.